Tonight, as we come to God's Word, I want us to turn back to that passage that we read together from 2 Timothy. And in particular, I want us to focus our attention on the second verse of chapter 2. So, in a way, it's an easy text to remember if you want to take it home with you. It's 2 Timothy, chapter 2, and verse 2. So, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. And the things that you have heard, sorry, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, you might think, well, what are we going to get out of this? How relevant is this uh, in our situation in the 21st century? And as I was praying tonight in a culture, that um, openly uh, wants to uh, distance itself from anything to do with historic Christianity. Well, I believe that um, what Paul is writing to Timothy here is a foundation for any church at any time in their existence and in the ministry to which God has given them. Um, I'll give a, a little bit of personal testimony. Um, I'd never consciously uh, heard this verse preached on, nor had I meditated upon it myself until I was struggling to know God's will. Um, most of you know that uh, my wife and I spent a number of years in Papua New Guinea, but we didn't go there saying, yippee, God has called us uh, to be missionaries. It was a battle, it was a struggle, and every step of the way I had to ask God, well, Lord, what is your purpose? Why is it that you're taking us out of our current ministry to take us to the other side of the world? I remember um, having, in a way, taken the first step and acknowledged that God wanted us to go to Papua New Guinea. I remember struggling uh, before God and saying, Okay, you're taking us there, but what do you want us to do? And it was this verse uh, that he brought to our attention, uh, brought to my attention, and showed me that I had a responsibility to take the message that had taken hold of me and to declare it to other people. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Um, in this context, I won't wait for you to answer, but I do want you to think about it before I give you the answer. How many generations of Christian ministry or church life are mentioned in this verse? Have a look at it. Take um, a little while to, to ponder it and think, well, how many generations are mentioned in this verse? Now, if anybody wants to suggest, I'm quite happy to hear suggestions but I'm not going to jump on anyone three. That's, that's the answer that most people give three but let's look at it um, so um, Paul is the writer and um, so he is the me okay you is Timothy who is the recipient so you've got two generations you've got Paul you've got Timothy and then um, he says, um, commit these 
to faithful men. So Paul says, what you've heard from me, um, commit to faithful men. So you've got your third generation, and then those men are responsible to teach others also. So you've got 75%, Mike. <laughs> okay? So um, I want us to keep that in the back of our mind. And in a way, I want to focus on that tonight. The church is not just about you and me tonight. Often churches talk um, or are described as, put it back in my context, it's Bernard Lewis's church. It's not Bernard Lewis's church. And when you have that idea, you think um, he is the number one person in uh, this situation. No, um, you've got the pastor, the minister, who is responsible for this congregation. But this congregation must be actively thinking, how is God preparing now for the next generation? Um, this came home to me uh, in a marked way at the beginning of this month. The calendar turned over. Um, the years were counted and I reached a significant point. Um, a few years ago, uh, I was talking with my brother about three score years and ten. He said, let me illustrate that for you. And he's a plumber. He went and got his um, tape measure. And I was 63 at the time. He pointed to six foot three on the tape measure. He said, you've had all that. And this is all you've got left now. <laughs> well, I've got to the, the end of the tape now. Um, and the facts are, I don't want to be uh, too light-hearted about this, but all of us are going to come to that point when we have finished our race and the work has to continue until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And those of us who are of more mature years, we have got to be consciously looking around us and saying, who is going to take up the responsibility. Those of you who are younger than us, you need to be saying, okay, you have served for uh, this length of time. Uh, we don't want to take up the responsibility, but we know that we have got to do that. The, the hymn writer says, we bear the torch that flaming fell from the hands of those who gave their lives proclaiming that Jesus died and rose. The church has got to be constantly asking the question, how do we pass it on? How do we make sure that the witness that we have borne in this context continues? Well, I want to give you um, five pointers from this verse tonight. Um, I'm usually a three-pointer, but there are five points tonight. Um, I hope uh, they, they won't all be the same length as if I was preaching uh, a three-point sermon. But the first thing that I want to show you, to help you uh, prepare to pass on the work, is to show you, first of all, the unchanging message. Now, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, The things you have heard from me. Now, that sounds um, pretty vague, doesn't it? Um, he is not clear about what 
uh, has to be passed on. But um, this has to be read in its context. And the context is Paul's ministry in the New Testament and Timothy's ministry. I want you, if you've got a Bible, to to follow with me and to, to look up some of these verses, particularly in this point. As we get further into the message, um, I uh, won't uh, ask you to do that. But turn with me to um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we see the geographical context. So 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia... Remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So geographically, Timothy has been left in Ephesus as a pastor or as a church worker. Now, if you go back to the book of Acts, um, and there to chapter 18 through to 20, you will see how the church was established in Ephesus. Um, There's a a short reference to it in um, chapter 18. Uh, Paul is passing through. But the main emphasis is in uh, chapter 19. And um, you see, one, the way that the church was established. You see that the opposition, uh, there was a riot as uh, people who thought that they were going to lose their source of income because of the gospel rebelled against gospel preaching. And then in chapter 20, we've got Paul on a subsequent journey. He's concerned for the church in Ephesus. And in Acts 20 and verse 17, we read this. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And he um, met with them at Miletus and he showed them uh, what should be the focus of their ministry. And let me highlight just some of that in um, Acts 20 and verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And there you have got the foundation of this church in Ephesus. It is a church that knows they've been established, they've been redeemed uh, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, we have the main letter to Ephesians, and um, there Paul addresses issues that have come up uh, in the church, in the life of the church, and he shows them how that is to affect their lives. And then um, in Revelation chapter 2, we have uh, another letter to the church at Ephesus, not written by Paul this time, but written uh, by the Apostle John when he was uh, in exile on the Isle of Patmos. So that's the background. Um, But does that illustrate what um, the emphasis, or does it explain what these things are? 
Well, I don't believe it does. So I want us to look now at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. And um, sorry, no, it's 1 Timothy. Uh, so the first letter of Paul to Timothy. And here we have the central foundation of the work of any church. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. If this church is going to continue in its ministry, this is the central priority. We are to tell a sinful, fallen world that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world that he might save sinners. And let me say that to you tonight. If you are a regular um, attender of this church, or maybe you're just visiting, I, I don't know people that well, but what you need to know is the church exists to tell sinners that Jesus has come to save them, that they can be saved from the um, chaos of their lives and they can find peace with God. Now when Paul called the elders of this church to him in Ephesus, he laid down um, another uh, priority. Acts 20 and uh, verse 20, he is describing his ministry there and he says how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to Jews and also to Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ the foundation Jesus Christ came to save if you like you've got the two bricks that go on top of this if Jesus has come to save what do we have to do first of all we have to repent it's the the first call of New Testament preaching John the Baptist preached it and the Lord Jesus Christ preached it and Peter on the day of Pentecost preached it and Paul is saying here when I came to Ephesus I told you with all the blessings of your culture you had to repent you had to change your thinking you had to turn around and do what you had to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ do you want to go to heaven do you want to know your sins forgiven do you want to know peace with God? Yes, Bernard, I'm trying. I want these things. Don't try. Trust. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because no matter what you are guilty of, there's a great summary of Christian faith in the Ephesian letter. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 and I'm sure many of you who are older who learnt 
memory verses when you were first converted know this verse Ephesians 2 verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship do you see that for by grace you are saved through faith and I want to ask you this evening have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ do you believe that when he hung there on the cross and when he cried out father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing do you believe that he was doing that for you do you believe that you can know peace with God friends as we move in to a new year into perhaps a new phase of ministry these are the things that we have to preach these are the emphases that have to shape the way that we will develop our ministry Paul knows that he is about to die and he's saying to Timothy this is the unchanging message whatever else you do preach Christ preach Christ crucified and call Jew and Gentile alike to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ we're living in a changing culture we live with people of every tribe and nation as part of our nation our churches need to reflect that we need to tell them that there is peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ now if the gospel is so wonderfully free that we don't have to contribute anything is that where we stay no um, because in verse 9 of chapter 1 we are told who has saved us and called us with a holy calling when we are saved we are to become the children of God we are to become people who are holy who are different from the world around us not too heavenly minded that we're of no earthly use but we have to show people that because we've been converted then our lives have been changed and we have this glorious eternal security here in verse 12 of chapter 1 where um, Paul writes to Timothy and says for this reason I also suffer these things nevertheless I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day friends if you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour don't ever think that he's going to come to that point and say you've blown it you have failed no when we have been counted amongst the children of God we will be kept until the end of history and through into eternity what a glorious assurance 
And friends, this is the message that I must preach to you tonight. And it is the message that must be preached into the culture in which we live and which is turning away from God. So this is the unchanging message. There's an unchanging method as well. Um, and here I want to point out two particular words in this text, uh, chapter 2 and verse 2. The things you have heard, the things you have heard from me, and then at the, towards the end of the verse, to teach others also. 2020, COVID revolutionized the work of the church. It seems that almost overnight, all of us became YouTube or Zoom celebrities. Um, I remember um, I was leading uh, one of the conference sessions at the Aberystwyth Conference, and one of the ladies in our church in uh, Newport, they tuned in uh, to the live stream through YouTube, and... Um, her daughters had set up a television in the bedroom because she was bedridden. And she said, oh, look, Bernard's on television. <laughs> and there's a way in which we can think, oh, um, because of the new technology, we've got to do things like this, we've got to do things like that. Now, I believe that we should use technology. I believe that we should use every means possible to get the gospel out there. But... I believe that the gospel has to be heard and it has to be taught. And that is vital. I want you to notice in um, chapter 1 and verse um, 11 the way Paul describes his ministry to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And Paul is saying here that he knew that his responsibility was to declare, to speak to people, to tell them. They were to hear with their ears. Now that's very difficult for a Welshman to say, to hear with your ears. Um, usually we say to hear with your ears. Um, but we are to hear the word of God and its truth. And Paul, writing to the Romans, says, And how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Friends, it is vital that we continue to preach. Now, we live in a day and age where perhaps, to some extent, books are becoming old-fashioned. But books are important. But books are not the primary means of hearing the truth of the gospel. It is to be spoken. It is to be heard. Where do we hear or do our research today? We get out the computer, we get out the phone, and we Google, don't we? 
We're looking up. But friends, that is not the primary ministry. People say a picture is worth a thousand words. No, friends. The Word became flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world as the living Word of God. Our responsibility is to preach the Word of God. Now, you may not think this is important, but it is important that not only do we have preaching, but we also have the reading of Scripture. Paul wrote to the Colossian church, and he said to them, uh, when this letter has been read to you, send it also to the church of the Laodiceans, that it may be read to them. When Paul couldn't get to Timothy in order to sort him out in the first letter, he says, until I get to you, give attention to the reading of God's word. I have sat in services where a man has stood up, he has read one verse of scripture, and he says, I'm going to um, preach on this. And you hear nothing else from the Bible. That is not the way God has planned it. The word of God is to be read, it is to be preached, it is to be heard. And um, this letter um, goes on and it talks about the vital importance of the, the word of God. Uh, if you look in chapter 3 and um, verse 14, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, uh, which is in Christ Jesus. We are to hear the word of God. We are to teach the word of God so that it might be heard. And here we uh, come to this second responsibility. Uh, the word is to be heard and it is to be taught. Now this isn't simply standing up and letting it all overflow. We have to teach in such a way that people learn and people come to understand. This is an important word and it is used apparently over 220 times in the New Testament. In the Great Commission recorded in Matthew 20, the Lord says, Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things that I have taught you. And it is vital that people are given the foundation stones of the truth of God's word. Because when we are taught the word of God, when we are shown how it applies in our lives, it will help us to grow as Christians. The psalmist, Psalm 119, says, Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And um, preaching has to change the way we are. Let me give you a warning tonight. You may not have understood this when you came in, 
but nobody is going to leave this church tonight the same way as they came in some of you will be drawn closer to the Lord Jesus Christ sadly some of you will be hardened because you'll say no Lord I don't want to hear that and every time you come to church that happens being drawn closer to the Lord Jesus Christ or being hardened in your attitude toward him Peter in his second letter says but grow in grace and a knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so we've got an unchanging message the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ we have got an unchanging method it is to be heard um, and it is to be preached it is to be taught what are the essential qualifications of men who were raised up to further this gospel well again we come back to this verse and we see Paul saying to Timothy uh, commit these things to Job Lowe no he doesn't say that he says commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also and what the church needs is faithful men now this word is used in two ways in the New Testament one it is um, people who have embraced the truth about which I have spoken so far tonight they have come to realize their uh, condition as sinners and they have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and they have um, turned away from the things of this world and they realize that the only thing that is going to save them is repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so there is that belief element that is involved in this word faithful you have got to believe the truth about Jesus that I've explained tonight but there's another meaning of this word faithful and it's the idea of being trustworthy can people rely on you if you say you're going to do something will you do it or will you last minute probably not to phone because if you phone you've got to speak to somebody but will you send a message a text the whatsapp because that's a lot easier isn't it now oh, i'm sorry i can't make it tonight um and people get to the point of saying don't ask him to do it you can't rely on him what the church needs is those who are trustworthy and people who can be relied upon and I want to give you two illustrations of the the flip side of this both are found here in um, the second letter 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10 and Paul here writes about a man called Demas Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica now I'm not sure how long they worked together 
But it happened on a number of occasions. Paul worked with men and overnight they said, oh, I've had enough. I'm not going. I, I can't continue. Friends, the church doesn't need people like that. Um, I don't know what context I learned this expression, but um, what the church needs is rock-solid Ronnie. You know you can rely on him. They are faithful men. And Demas is an example of a man who started well, but fell by the wayside. Paul, in his testimony, I don't believe he's bragging, um, but he gives an example of a faithful man. And um, he describes himself here in chapter 4, again, verse 7. Um, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What's he saying? Um, well, if you read 2 Corinthians and chapter 11, you'll find that Paul suffered incredibly uh, because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, I kept going. I have fought the fights. I've kept the faith. And he knew that there was a crown of life um, laid up for him. So, who takes this message to the next generation? It is faithful men. Faithful people, those who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus and continue to follow him. But the second qualification or second responsibility is that they are to be teachers. If you go back to 1 Timothy 3 where Paul gives the qualifications of um, elders, the one responsibility that an elder is given is to be able to teach. Now, there are many people who want to get up into a pulpit, or these days stand on a, uh, on a platform, and say, listen to me. Friends, they're not always called. And I want to give you an illustration from my own experience. I had the privilege of going to a grammar school and I had two men who taught history. One of them would come into the classroom. It was uh, in the days of degree gowns. So he'd come in, he'd hold on to his gown, he'd lean against the corner of the blackboard, and he'd say, now where did I get to last time? And somebody who'd taken good notes would say, this point, sir. And he'd start, and he would talk for the full 40 minutes, the bell would go, and he'd just stop, and he'd walk out. Do you know how much I learned from him? About that much. But there was another fella, and he would come into the classroom, said, right now, last lesson we got to this point. I now want to explain to you this. And he would lay out the information on the blackboard as it was in the, those days. It's probably a whiteboard and uh, 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 huge technology these days. But then, having given us the information, he'd say, do you understand? Now tell me what I've said. And as a result of it, we learnt. I moved from failing history to actually passing it. Uh, because the man was able to teach. And sadly, friends, there are men who stand in pulpits and they can maybe show you their intelligence. But do they actually teach you? 
I once heard an illustration um, people leaving church after a service and they turned to one another and said oh that was a wonderful sermon wasn't it I didn't understand a word of it <laughs> and sadly you know we can be so overwhelmed by the qualifications of someone that we don't uh, actually learn and therefore grow so the unchanging message uh, the unchanging method the essential qualifications Third, uh, fourthly our limited responsibility and notice what Paul actually says to Timothy here and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses commit these to faithful men another translation says entrust we have to pass it on we have to consciously work to find younger men who will take up the responsibility to keep the work of the gospel going into the next generation this is what happened to Timothy the church um, where he grew up recognized that he had giftings they'd started using him and Paul said let him come with me and I will teach him Moses that is Joshua David that is Solomon Elijah that is Elisha Paul that is Timothy Titus and other men they were prepared to pass it on what I'm going to say now can come across in a harsh way and I don't want it to do that but I want to say it in a bold way so that it does hit home the church in most generations is damaged by good people who don't know when to let go you think about that the Lord has used them for a long time within the church and they think, oh, God's used me. I'm just going to keep going and remain faithful. A few years ago, I was at the Banner of Truth conference, and I won't mention the person uh, that I was speaking to him, uh, speaking to, but I said to him, I'm getting to pensionable age, and um, I'm ready to put down pastoral responsibility. He turned to me and said, you've got 10 years left in you yet. <laughs> and there were a number of people who said to me when I was preparing for retirement there's no such thing as retirement in the Christian life in the Christian life there isn't but in Christian ministry there is because we cannot do what we did when we were younger we don't think as quickly we don't uh, apply and we all haven't got the stamina so what Paul is saying to Timothy here is be ready to pass it on. The Lord Jesus Christ did it. From the word go, he called his disciples and he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, I'm going to give you responsibility. In Luke 10, 
we have an example of where Jesus sent out um, 70 men uh, on what we would call today a preaching tour. They were to go to different parts of uh, the nation of Israel and they were to preach the gospel and preach the word of Jesus. And Jesus said to them, only go to the house of Israel at this stage. He then brought them back. He sat them down and said, well, how did you get on? Well, do you know, we had authority over evil spirits and there was such power. Jesus said to them, don't think about the power, but think of the fact that your names are written in heaven. And Jesus was constantly preparing to move off center stage and to do what his father's will was. A great example of this was John the Baptist. After he'd been arrested, he said, he, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, he must increase and I must decrease. <coughs> Friends, we have a responsibility to pass it on because we have a limited responsibility. The fifth thing that I want to show you from this verse is our unknown audience. Because Paul writes to Timothy, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And just as he was vague at the beginning of the verse about the things that um, were to be taught, so he is vague here. And in actual fact, um, the, the word that is used here of others um, is, it can be translated as of another kind. Now, the, the only word um, that, well, there are two words that are used regularly in English that come from this root. One is heterosexual and the other is heterodox. Uh, heterodox means of a different uh, form of teaching as opposed to orthodox it's heterodox it's mixed it's different it's not the truth um, heterosexual means a man married to a woman or a person of the opposite sex and what Paul is saying to Timothy here is go out and preach this message but don't go out with a limited idea of who God is going to take you to. Again, I'll use you, give an illustration from my own experience. When I went into the pastorate, I thought that the Lord was going to um, keep me in an Anglo-Saxon or Celtic setting where I was used to what went on. The first thing that he did to me was take me to uh, Streatham where the congregation was 50% Caribbean and then he said to me if you struggled with that Bernard I'm going to take you to the far side of the world it won't be 50% uh, you'll be the 1% and the other 99% will be of a totally different kind friends we struggle when God takes us outside of our comfort zone but our nation has changed 
it is changing and we have got to be ready to take the message to whoever God is calling us to take it to and Peter didn't want to go to the Gentiles he didn't want to go uh, to the house of Cornelius but God said to him you've got to go there came a point in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and people started turning away he said to his disciples will you also go away and they said to him Lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life friends I want to remind you tonight that God has given to us the words of eternal life and we are to declare those words to our generation to the next generation and to the generation beyond that so that we might prepare for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and that he would have a church that he has been building throughout history to be his perfect <coughs> light.